Good morning. Please be seated. It's fantastic to see you all here today. And what's more, it's fantastic to see two churches, Esperance Church of Christ and the Gum Tree, gathering together. It's just a fantastic sight of unity. And um, it, it's great to see that happen. And may you all be truly blessed uh, throughout this service. You've come along for the Gum Tree. Uh, and clearly it appears like our family is leading this service. Uh, the kids and Nat and myself are all up here, uh, and the kids occasionally get the opportunity to do that. In fact, they normally have once a month they, they lead here. Uh, normally it's not only our children, but other families' children's as well, and that's happening next week. Uh, but this week you got a treat, because uh, they, they jumped in when an opportunity arose and, and decided to do that as well. So welcome. It's fantastic to have the gum tree here as well. Uh, with that, I also want to look at the guys and say Happy Father's Day. Uh, hope you have a great day. Hope you're being spoilt more than you normally are. I know as guys, we're often spoilt. Um, and Kira's shaking her head saying, no, nope, we never spoil you, Dad. I got very spoilt today with breakfast and uh, getting a special lunch and dinner today as well as some presents. So I trust that you're all having a fantastic day as well. Shall we pray? Father, I want to thank you that on this special Father's Day we get to come and we get to be in your house with your presence and remember you and what you have done for us. Thank you that you sent your son for us, that we could gather here as family. And so, Lord, I just pray as two, two separate gatherings come and join to, to worship you, Lord, that you will bless each and every one of us. Lord, minister to us, speak to our hearts. May it be your spirit that speaks to us. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who haven't been here before, um, I'm, I preach once a month and we've been going through a series on the book of Ruth. And I think this is the third sermon on Ruth and we're only up to Ruth chapter 2. And so as a bit of a summary as to where we've been, and I won't go into too much detail, but the book of Ruth is this tiny little book, four chapters in the Old Testament. And it's a fantastic book of Ruth. And in fact, some commentators have said, if you don't understand the book of Ruth, you won't understand Revelation chapter 5. And so it's a vital um, book of significant importance. Another theologian has actually said that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. And here in the book of Ruth, we really see a glimpse of that. We see some hidden characters in the midst of it. We see some types about how a person will represent something else. And so in the book of Ruth, we have Ruth, who is the main character, and she represents the church. We have Naomi, the mother-in-law, and she represents the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. We were introduced to a person called Boaz, who's the kinsman redeemer who represents the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. We also have, and we won't get to this person today, an unnamed uh, relative who represents the law later on in chapter 3. And today we'll, rep we'll talk about an unnamed servant who actually represents the Holy Spirit. So there's all of this stuff intermingled in this book of Ruth. It's a fantastic book of Ruth. Um, as a bit of context, we know that, that Naomi's family left Bethlehem because it was in severe drought. And they went to a land that they shouldn't have gone to. A land that, that God had told them not to wander into. In fact, to stay separate from those people. 
But Naomi and her husband took her two, their two children to this land because of the drought. And when they got there, Naomi's husband passed away. The two sons got married. And soon after they got married, the two sons passed away. And so Naomi's left in this foreign land with two daughters-in-law. And she hears that back in Bethlehem, the drought has passed. And so she picks up what left she has in order to return home. And she says to her daughter-in-laws, don't come with me. I've got nothing to offer you. You go back to your families. And one of them, taking much convincing turns and goes back to her family, but not Ruth. Ruth makes the famous statement and says, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And she aligns her life to Naomi and Naomi's God. And so Naomi and Ruth, and interestingly enough, and I love this little tidbit, this is the bit where the first time I've ever found someone gives another person the silent treatment. And it's actually in Ruth that mentions when Ruth says her great statement of, I'm going to be with you, it actually says, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. I love the fact that even back there you can see the character and and Naomi just fed up, just went, right, turned her back and refused to speak to her. And, you know, we see that happen and we call that the silent treatment and I love the fact that we get that in Scripture. But Naomi, having lost everything, lost her husband, lost her children. Remember, Naomi represents the Jewish nation. Have they not lost a lot? And Naomi wanders and goes back to Bethlehem. And her friends see her coming and they say, this is Naomi, Naomi's here, Naomi, how are you? And they run out to welcome her and she says, don't call me Naomi. I am no longer Naomi. My name is now Mara, meaning bitterness. You see, Naomi had lost everything and her whole attitude was that of bitterness. Her whole attitude was, the world is against me. Everything, I've got nothing here and I have no joy in my life but I am completely bitter. And if you think about that in context of the Jewish nation, it's quite insightful, isn't it? They've lost everything. And yet it says that they return to Bethlehem as the Jewish nation has returned to Bethlehem. It's very, very insightful, this passage of Scripture. And Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore. I am bitter. I am filled with bitterness. I'm disappointed with life. I'm angry at life. And then the very next words that the Holy Spirit inspired are saying, so Naomi. And he says, I don't care how you see yourself. You see, Naomi means my delight. The father says, I don't care how you see yourself. You are and you always will be my delight. You are my lovely. You are my chosen. And that is true for every person who believes in Jesus Christ. But here in this context, it's specifically speaking about the Jewish nation. He's saying, you are my chosen people and it doesn't matter how you see yourself and it doesn't matter what you've gone through and your experiences, you will always be mine and you will always be my delight. That's so insightful and you can go on and spend a lot of time on that. And then last week we looked at these few words and it said, now they came, meaning Ruth and Naomi, now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. For those who were there, I could do a pop quiz and hopefully you could remember. Why is that important? It's important because at the beginning of barley harvest is the festival of the first fruits. 
And this is really important for the context of what we're going to be moving into today. You see, the festival of the first fruits, or the feast of the first fruits, is actually where the harvesters, the owners of, of the land, would go around and they'd, they'd harvest up, they'd gather up some, some of the wheat, some of the harvest, and they would take it to the temple and they would offer the first of the harvest up to God. And they would say, we are blessed because you give to us, and so we separate this. We give this back to you, and in the separation of that first of the harvest, it becomes holy, set apart, dedicated to God. And in the dedication of the first part of the feast, of the first part of the harvest, then the rest of the harvest becomes holy, and the rest of the harvest is blessed. And you see, Jesus Christ is the first fruit of the harvest. And when he rose again, completely fulfilling the prophetic implications of the festival of the first fruit, and he rose again and he was offered as the first fruits to the Father, meaning that everyone else of the harvest, of the spiritual harvest, of those who would choose to put their faith in him, would too be set apart and be made holy. You see, and when in the offering of the first fruits, in the first part of that harvest, it's offered up, meaning that whatever it's set apart and becomes holy. So is the rest in the same way. Jesus Christ, completely righteous, his righteousness is given to every one of the harvest, those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, which is why we walk in grace, because Jesus was our first fruits. And it's important that we understand the context that, Je that they returned at the beginning of the barley harvest at that point of the first fruits. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, and we looked at this last week as well, or last month, it says, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Amalek. His name was Boaz. And here we've been introduced to the festival of the first fruits, and then immediately after we're introduced to Boaz, who is the kinsman redeemer. And we'll discover that later on in chapter 2. We won't get to that today. So the redeemer is, is identified as that one who was offered up. And so Boaz, as I said, typifies Jesus Christ and being introduced in that context. And then he's just parked there. But the writer of Ruth wants you to be aware of the implications of why they've returned. Jesus Christ has risen, been offered up. And the redeemer in this context is Boaz. And so we'll get stuck in now to Ruth chapter 2. We'll start at, we'll start at verse 1. I'm going to read a bit, make some comments, then we'll read some more. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Amalek. Amalek was Naomi's husband, by the way. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabiter said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she, Naomi, said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Amalek. Now before I get in and make comment on that, I just want to say there's so much stuff in Ruth chapter 2. We're not even going to get halfway through it, so we'll just get to wherever we get to. Uh, and then we'll, we'll stop at that point. So here we see um, a, an aspect of the law of Jewish law. And Ruth says, please let me go glean in the field. You see, part of the social construct of the Jewish nation was at the time of harvest, that those people who were harvesting, those people who owned the land, had to cut corners on their land. They weren't allowed to harvest right to the edge. 
And in fact, when they came to the corners, they were instructed to leave grain, to leave some of it there. And it was a deliberate thing specified in the law so that those who were poor in the nation or foreigners on the way through could follow after the harvesters and glean that which had been left. And that was there to ensure that they had a subsistence living, ensure that they had some food and that they wouldn't starve. And so the harvesters needed to make sure that there was some left for those people who would follow after them. And in fact, it also specifies in Leviticus chapter 19 that if the harvesters drop some grain, that they're actually not allowed to bend down and pick it up again. So you wouldn't want to be having too many clumsy workers, would you? You know, you'd lose a lot. But specifically in in the law, in Leviticus, it says you need to leave some stuff for the poor in our nation, for the foreigners who are walking through. And you've got Ruth and Naomi, poor as poor. Ruth, the foreigner herself. And she goes in and she wanders down and she happens upon Boaz's farm, Boaz's property. This concept of she happened to come upon the part of the field belonging to Boaz. You know, one of the things, and here we see the hand of God at work. See, Ruth is one of the descendants of Jesus. Jesus can tie his his entire life back to Ruth. Without Ruth, there is no Messiah. And she happened to come upon the land that belonged to Boaz. And right there we can see the hand of God guiding and working to orchestrate his plan. And sometimes as Christians, sometimes myself as a Christian, I sit back and I know that you know I'll be praying for wisdom or discernment in a certain thing and I sit on the couch, God, I'm not going to move until I hear from you. And if that was Ruth, she may still be sitting on that couch. But it was in the getting up and the going It was in the moving that God orchestrated and moved things so that it appeared a coincidence that she happened to stumble upon Boaz's farm. And yet God was guiding her every move. God was walking ahead. And it's only when you look back often in your life that you see God's hand orchestrating the things. It's only when you look back that you can see the blessings and how God has moved in your life to ensure that the blessings that you experience now come from back there. And sometimes you wonder where God is, don't you? You go, God, what's going on? I can't see you. I can't feel you. What am I supposed to do in this? And in hindsight, you know, hindsight's a great tool, isn't it? You look back and you go, wow. God was with me all along. I thought I just stumbled onto that farm. I thought I just stumbled onto that property. I thought it was my good fortune. I thought I did that. But look, God's hand guided me and I ended up there. And here we get a glimpse actually of one of God's names. Meaning God is our guide. The name is Jehovah Raha. Literally meaning God is my shepherd. God is my guide, orchestrating the events, moving things to ensure his will is done in the midst of my life. Just be faithful. Now, I'm not saying go out there and be silly and and just keep running. But as you move, continue to move with a prayerful movement. 
asking for wisdom and guidance, asking for his discernment and knowing and trusting that he will. For his name is Jehovah Raha. God is my guide. God is my shepherd. Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He guideth me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. And I just want to pause and say, whatever you're going through, wherever you are at right now, remember the truth that God is your guide. And in fact, that is one of his characteristics. It is one of his names, Jehovah Raha. Trust in him to lead you in whatever it is that you're going through. Don't sit back and wait for that, always that spiritual movement that says, okay, now I know exactly. But he says, I want you to journey and I'll be with you. And that's a message we can learn from Ruth. Ruth didn't know where she was going, but God's hand guided her in the midst of the going, for he is our God. We'll continue on. Verse 4. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Even in that one sentence, and I don't want to ponder that too much, Boaz represents the Messiah. Where did the Messiah come from? Bethlehem. Can you see how all the details line up here? Now Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. The reapers are the harvesters. The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she has rested a little in the house. There's a few points I want to make here. The first one is that Boaz came from Bethlehem and he noticed Ruth. Ruth didn't notice him. And that's an important point for us because it is Jesus who always does the noticing. It is Jesus who always looks down and says, Ah, what's going on over here? Who's this one? And he's the inquirer, the inquisitor, the one who is asking after us. And he is the one who will approach. He is the one who will draw up alongside of. And then there is our response. But he is the one doing the pursuing. And that's an important point. It is the Messiah who pursues us. And remember, if you're journeying with someone else who doesn't know Jesus, who who isn't aware of his grace and what he has done, your role is not the one to lead them to Christ and, and it's not your responsibility. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Your role is to show joy and love. Your role is to talk about it. And you know what? If they reject Jesus Christ, that's not on you. And don't take it personally. Okay, Your job is to be his representative, but it's the Holy Spirit who will convict. And it is Jesus who will draw alongside to them 
But don't allow your heart to be hardened to say, oh, I tried that once and they rejected him. No, no, no. Maybe they've only just temporarily rejected. Maybe they'll remember your life and your characteristics later on. Our job is to shine in the midst that they may see Jesus drawing alongside of them because he guides us, he puts us, he places us in those places. Interestingly enough, it's Boaz comes along to this servant and says, who is that woman? This servant is unnamed. And this servant, many theologians believe, represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will often go about as an unnamed servant. It's interesting that in Genesis chapter 4, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 24, an unnamed servant goes out to gather a bride for Isaac, sent by Abraham. And in that story, you have a picture of the father, Father Abraham, the son, Isaac, and the Holy Spirit, the unnamed servant. And what's the role of the servant in that story? To gather a bride for the son. What is the Holy Spirit doing in the world today? Going around and gathering a bride and perfecting the bride for the son. And here Boaz comes along to this unnamed servant and says, who is this person? So Boaz notices, and then the Holy Spirit speaks. Oh yes, this one. This is the one. And doesn't talk down about all the stuff that she's done wrong. Doesn't say, oh, this one, wow, you should see what this one's done. Says, no, 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 this is the one who came with Naomi. This is the one who's looking after Naomi. This is the one who's been working diligently for Naomi to support her and speaks positive and speaks truths and lifts up. It's the role of the Holy Spirit there. And the Holy Spirit will only ever speak positive things before the Father on your behalf. And that's a truth. The Holy Spirit will never go to our Father in heaven and say, that Kira, oh my goodness, we made a mistake with that one. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit will go to the Father and say, Dad, you should see Kira. You should see how amazing she is. You should see what she's doing and how she's loving people and how she's shining in the midst of what's going on. Oh, Dad, you've done great with that, Kira. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And he convicts us ourselves of our righteousness according to the Gospels, convicts us of our righteousness, which is given to us by Jesus Christ because he was offered up as the first fruits. And he says, oh, that gee, she's good. Gee, she's righteous. And that goes for all of us because we are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not dependent on what we do or don't do. In chapter 4, we talked about 24 of Genesis, we talked about that unnamed servant. But in chapter 15, we know his name. We, we discover this unnamed servant's name, and it's Eliza, meaning comforter. What is one of the names of the Holy Spirit? The comforter. And so the unnamed servant here is a type of the Holy Spirit who is there looking for a bride for the son. And what happens later on in the story of Ruth? Boaz marries Ruth. Introduced by this unnamed servant representing the Holy Spirit. It's amazing, isn't it? 
the details and what the Holy Spirit does there for us. Ruth chapter 2 verse 7, it says this, And she, this is the unnamed servant, says, And she asked, Please let me glean and gather and the, I'm after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Those words, though she rested a little in the house, are actually a little bit contentious. The different versions, so the contemporary English version, actually says that it says, without a moment's rest. So she's come and she's asked, and we said yes, and she has not ceased. She has not rested at all from morning till now. The BBE, another version, says, without resting even for a minute. The message written by Eugene Peterson says, without so much as a break. Other versions, including the King James, the New King James and and the NIV, specify rested a little or a short time. The actual Hebrew word, which is mentioned here, which we look at, actually means hardly any almost none, the fewest amount or very, very little or none. So it can mean either. I believe personally what it's actually saying here is that she had no rest. That Ruth has worked from morning till now and has had no rest. But even if I'm wrong, and I'll talk about why I believe that, even if I'm wrong in that interpretation, the other meaning means having had very, very little rest. Minimal amount of rest. But personally, I believe it's no rest. Why do I think that? Because of the imagery of what's going on here in the rest of the chapter. You see, further down, uh, Boaz is going to invite Ruth to a meal which represents communion. And in verse 14 of chapter 2, everything changes, and that's the moment she sits down and has communion with Boaz. And from that moment, she walks in grace. From that moment, she walks in abundance, which means right now she's walking in the law. And if she's walking in the law, Romans chapter 10, verse 5 says, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall, be live, by, shall live by them. And the implication of what it's saying is, when you walk under the law, there is no rest. For year by year, month by month, week by week, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, you have to be working and on your guard. Because the minute you break one of the laws, you break all of the law. Under the law, there is no rest. And we could look at Romans chapter 4 or Psalm 32 or some of the other Psalms where David cries out and says, Oh, the burden that I have in living under the law. Oh, I wish I lived in the days. And it's like he's looking through the cross saying, I wish I lived in the days that you guys are living. Where you don't have to work without ceasing. Where you don't have to work without rest. And so I think here the imagery is saying Ruth worked without ceasing, meaning she's under the law and the burden of it. And it's, again, amazing imagery for us to find here and the hints and the implications. And if we got to verse 14, which where everything changes, and I love that, she starts to walk under grace. And Boaz says to Ruth, He goes up to her and he says, 
I don't want you to glean in another field, nor go from here. He says, where my girls who are doing some harvesting, you follow them. And when they go to another field, notice which field they go to and you go after them. And you follow them. Don't go to anyone else's property. Which if you think about it, Ruth was probably inclined to do. She would probably say, okay, I've, I've come and I've gleaned from this person's farm today. I might go over to that one so that I'm not too much of a burden. So that I don't get kicked out. I don't want to become a burden upon that one. But Boaz, who represents the kinsman redeemer, who represents our Messiah, Messiah, comes along to her and says, don't go anywhere else. Come back to my field. Glean from here. I will provide for you. I will provide for you. And this is another name of God our Father, is it not? Jehovah Jireh. My God is my provider. And Boaz says, I will provide for you. You come back here and you glean in my field and you notice where my harvesters are going and you follow them because I want to be your provider. I'll look after you. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8, it says, He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with the nobles and inherit a seat of honor for the pillars of the earth of the Lord's. And he set the world on them. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Boaz says, Don't go anywhere else. I will provide. Jesus, our Messiah, says, I will be the provider of all your needs. I know what you need. And I will provide for you. Matthew six thirty three to 31. He says, Jesus says, Do not worry then and say, What will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For, for the non-Christians, they seek after these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need. And all these things will be added, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He says, I want to be your provider. I am your Messiah. And I will provide for your very needs, for everything. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. According to his riches. How will he supply your needs? Not according to your ability. Not according to your needs. According to his riches. What does Boaz say? Come back to my farm. Come back to my property. And I will provide for you. Wherever you are at, whatever is going on in the midst of your life, whatever you lack, seek first his kingdom. Look towards your Messiah. He will provide for you. For again, that is the name, that is his name, Jehovah Jireh. My God is provider. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 14, where this, his name is first revealed, Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, Scripture says, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's true, it is true of us as Christians who have our faith in Jesus Christ. He will provide for me and he will not let me down. Jehovah Jireh. We've seen this morning two of God's names in the midst of Ruth. We've seen that he is our guide, Jehovah Raha, and he is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. 
If we had time, we would go on and look at another name in the midst of it. Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. If we had time, we would continue to work through the book of Ruth. And we would see Ruth sit down and have communion. And be satisfied. It actually says, and she was satisfied. And then she would take some and go and share with Ruth, uh, with Naomi, sorry, and would introduce the kinsman redeemer to Naomi. What happens prophetically? The church will introduce the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to the Jewish nation. You know, there's so much stuff here. And then she walks in abundance. She walked, God literally, or Boaz, literally provides abundantly for her, in excess of what she would need. And that is our God. And that is our Messiah, who came to this earth, who came from Bethlehem, who came down into the world, and the field represents the world, and he noticed you and I. And he guides our path, and guided our path, right to him that we may choose by faith to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and he will continue to guide you and me in our walk and then he provides for our very needs he provided salvation he provided forgiveness he provides healing he provides whatever it is that you have whatever it is that you lack whatever it is that you need and you know the best thing about it our Father in heaven, he actually said, I want you to remember what I do for you. I want you to remember it on a regular basis. And so when he went, sent his son, he said, Jesus, before you leave the earth, tell them to have a regular time. Tell them to have a meal where, we get to, where they get to remember what you've done and remember your goodness. And that's communion. We come around and, and we get to share communion. We get to share a piece of bread. It's not a full feast like Ruth had. But we get to share a piece of bread which represents and symbolizes the breaking of Jesus who laid down his life. Who Isaiah 51 says, 53, sorry, says that he was stripped. That he was beaten beyond, get this, beyond human likeness that we may walk in wholeness, that we may walk in healing. We get to have some grape juice which represents his blood which was spilled for us. And we're cleansed by that blood, completely forgiven, washed free, set free. Without condemnation, Romans 8 says, because of the finished, complete work of Jesus Christ. And so today as we come around this table, we remember our kinsman redeemer. We remember Jesus Christ who has guided us and provides for us. Will you pray with me? As we pray, can Kira and Xander please come forward. Father, I want to thank you that you sent your kinsman redeemer, Jesus the Messiah, into this world. I want to thank you that you allowed him to lay down his life. I want to thank you that he noticed us, that he drew alongside of us, that he guided us to himself. I want to thank you that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us because of the finished, complete work of Jesus Christ. And we just dwell upon your goodness right now.
at this point in time. Jesus, we thank you. In your holy name. Amen. Will you pray? Father, we thank you for sending your son. And we thank you for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And how he laid down his life and gave us everything. And I stand before you, Father, with just a small portion of what you have given us. Lord, we've talked about the first fruits, and in many ways this represents the first fruits of what you've given us. Lord, take these and set them apart and use them for your holy purpose. But in the same way, I pray that everything else that you've provided be holy for those who've contributed, set apart and blessed. Lord, bless whoever is the recipient and whoever's the decision makers of this. For your kingdom's sake we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.